Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Well, good morning, everybody. I am so excited to be back after my longest break from preaching at Kalos Church ever. Woohoo! I am so thankful to be with all of you to worship together, to be able to preach. I, I'm pumped. I'm excited. You guys are an amazing church. And so uh, I, I just want to let you know that so many people that I've talked to who are here the last three weeks, like I'm meeting for the first time, they're like, we love Kalos Church. And I'm like, I haven't been there for the last three weeks. That's probably why you're loving it so much. They're like, no, what? No, we didn't mean to insult you. I'm like, all right. (laughs) But that is a testament to your guys' love and kindness and just how amazing you are. So can you guys give yourselves a round of applause? Thank you for being an amazing church. Thank you for your prayers and your love. We felt it. It really meant a lot to us. And today I'm just honored to continue our Rebuild series. But before I get into that, uh, I want to let you know that a lot, a lot of people have been asking, what, what are you guys doing now that the, the CDC says if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask? Well, we checked in with the hotel because, believe it or not, we do not own the Hilton Enterprise. How many of you guys are just finding that out right now? Tori just found that out. So uh, we don't own Hilton. Like, and so, so we had to check in with them like, hey, what are your policies as we rent your space on Sunday mornings? And they said, we, ha- we haven't changed any of our policies. Even if you are vaccinated, you still got to wear your mask. So just in case you're confused, wondering that, that's what we're going to do. We're going to maintain wearing masks here. If you have a problem with that, give financially so we can buy a building. Just... <laughs> If you give me a cool mill, well, let's talk, and we can revisit that policy. Thank you. But yeah, we can, we can clap. We can clap to donating a cool mill. So, so yeah, yeah, don't get mad at me. Get mad at Hilton or, or biasability. So anyways, we are in our series, Rebuild, and Pastor Maritha preached a great message last week, phenomenal, and we are rebuilding. A lot of the world has changed. A lot has been destroyed in this pandemic. And we are under construction, amen, as people, as families, our communities, as a church. I want to read this meme to you that I resonated with. And today I'm going to encourage you to treat yourself like I-5 and never stop working on yourself, no matter how inconvenient it is for everyone else. Can I get a good amen for that? So why don't you look at someone next to you and say, I am under construction, literally say I am under construction. I am a work in progress. I'm not where I used to be, uh, but I'm not where I want to be yet. Amen. (laughs) But thank the Lord I'm not where I used to be, you know. So uh, in in the book of Nehemiah, we, we saw this whole rebuilding idea. That's why the series is called Rebuild. To revisit in Nehemiah, we see a cupbearer who works for the king. He's like a butler for the king. And he finds out as he's living in Persia that the walls of Jerusalem have been destroyed. The gates are on fire. They're experiencing destruction and desolation. Things are not as they should be for the people of God. And it grieves his heart. And so he asks the king, let me go to rebuild those walls. So he goes. He starts to rebuild. 
and he finds himself facing opposition. Enemies are attacking him. So at one point, him and his troop, they're building the wall with a sword in one hand and a shovel in the other. They're defending and building as others are trying to destroy the work of God in their lives. At one point, the enemy realizes, all right, if we battle up front, we're not going to be able to destroy these people. And so we need to get a little sneaky. We need to start distracting them so that we can detour them from the work of rebuilding the walls. So let's look at Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 6. It says, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me, so this is Nehemiah speaking, asking me to meet them at once at one of the villages in the plain of Oh No. Before we dive in, uh, Pro tip here, if your enemy tries to get you to meet in the plane of, oh no, don't do it. (laughs) That's free. That's Pentecost free for you. All right. But I realized going on that they were plotting to harm me, so I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. You know, I love this quote by Craig Rochelle, and he's influenced a lot of this message. He says, if your enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. And I found when the enemy can't destroy me up front, he'll busy me. I have seen the greatest killer at times of spiritual renewal, being passionate for God, being passionate for your family. One of the biggest killers is busyness. Can I get a good amen? being distracted. And so the enemy doesn't have to use weapons of mass destruction when weapons of mass distraction work just as well. And I I found in my life, maybe you've experienced this as well, but distraction is as angry, is as dangerous, is as potent as destruction. Distraction works just as well as destruction because distraction often leads to destruction. You know, I wasn't always a Christian, and back in my high school days, I, I loved to steal from individuals, from corporations. I loved it. The thrill, I didn't really need the, the goods. I didn't really want the money, but stealing's kind of fun. Anybody with me? Weird unity in the house of God. <laughs> I don't know if we should celebrate that, Jerry. But here we are. <laughs> here we are. And so I would just steal all of this stuff, and I, I remember there was a sporting goods store that had a lot of great jerseys. I mean, those were expensive, baseball jerseys, basketball jerseys. And they only had one person working in this small, like, boutique kind of sporting goods store. So my, my friends and I devised a plan. All right, we'll send the two of you to talk to the one employee, and you distract that person. You just say, hey, how do I look in this hat? How do I look in this jersey? And you just get their full attention. Keep on asking them questions, try on everything, and then the rest of us will sneak in the back of the warehouse and we'll grab boxes of jerseys. And so we did that. We got like a lot of jerseys in our car. We would just drive away. It, it always worked. And this has nothing to do with my message. But if any of you are looking for uh, like a jersey, meet me in the parking garage after service. And uh, just kidding, but seriously. Uh, no, actually, just kidding. And so we would distract them in the front so that we could steal from the back. 
And I want that to sink in because I feel like in our lives, when we consider our calling, our purpose, what God is asking us to do, the dreams, the vision the Lord has given us, I feel like many of us are so distracted and we don't realize that a lot of these hopes and dreams and the future that we plan, the things we believe that God has for us is actually being stolen from behind us when we're distracted in the front. Have you ever felt that for you or maybe someone in your, your group or your family or your friends? You're like, why are you focused on that? You have so much potential. You have so much in you. You're an amazing person. Why are you being distracted? And all of these things are being stolen from you. Well, we're talking about that today. And I think this message is so, so very important because how many of you would agree that we live in a world of distraction? I mean, I think the average American checks cell phones like 58 to 120 times a day. Some of you are thinking, well, I, I got you beat there. <laughs> I already checked it that much during your sermon. I rebuke that. And so we look at these notifications, and then we get distracted for like 2 to 20 minutes. And then we're like, why am I watching all of these videos of like cats playing baseball? Is this healthy for my soul? But the algorithm has figured me out because it knew I wanted that. How did it know? I didn't even know I wanted cats playing baseball. But here, here we are, and now I've bought a cat named Nala after my pastor's daughter. Actually, no, that's just Felix. Yeah. He, he got a cat, named it Nala, right? Though I'm trying to encourage you, Felix, to name your cat the cat so it can be like Felix the cat. Anyways, it's a reference from the 1920s. <laughs> so anyways, what am I talking about? <laughs> I feel we like we live in a distracted world as I'm exhibiting, amen? And what are, you, what are your distractions, you know? Because I feel like distractions have increased in this pandemic because some of us, that's how we're coping through the pain of this last year. We're like, give me distractions. And we found ourselves binging like shows on, on the internet, like Netflix. I mean, when we were sick, I literally watched every episode of an anime called Attack on Titan. There's a lot of episodes there. I, I watched them all because I thought the season was done because the last season was called the final season. But they only released the first half of the final season, so I regret I regret a lot about my life right now. And, and maybe your distraction is you're addicted to porn. You know, you, you keep on trying to make progress in your relationships, in your heart, in your soul. You're trying to get work done, and you just feel that, that temptation and that impulse to, to be trapped in the addiction of the algorithms of porn. And I don't know. Let's be real today. Can we be real in church and talk about what we're going through? Maybe it's uh, distracted by comparing ourselves to others or you know, mindlessly scrolling or distracting ourselves with food and alcohol or entertainment or hobbies or maybe it's worrying. I'm not saying these are all bad things. Some of them are. Not all of these things are sins, but sometimes we're distracted by the lesser important things so that we don't have room for the more important things in our lives. And I, I think that is human, being distracted is human. But as we're reading in the book of Nehemiah, I believe that's also an attack of the enemy. I think there, there's a strategic plan to get you off course. And sometimes the best way to get you off of course is by distracting you just a little bit, moving you to the little to the right so that you don't notice it right away. But five, ten years later, you're like, where am I? How did I end up here? This is not what I thought my life would look like. I mean, think about it. Every time you try to work on your health, it's like these 
these opportunities, these compromises to do something different. Every time you're trying to read your Bible and pray, it's like you get a notification or you get like some random ghost vibration. You think your phone is vibrating, but it never was. You're like, I want the Holy Ghost, not the ghost vibration of my phone. When you try to make, you know, Sunday services a priority, you're trying to rebuild your spiritual health, maybe you're recommitting your life to the Lord and you're finally making friends because you're getting planted in the house of God. It's like, finally, I feel like this is not just strangers, but I'm in the community. But then the weather gets super nice and you miss church services for all the summer. And you find yourself regressed and you find your spiritual life falling apart. I don't think these distractions are all by accident. I think there's an enemy after our soul. You know, even financially, I believe when we trust the Lord with our finances, he, he takes care of us as we cast our cares on him. Amen? And some of us, we're, we're getting in the habit of trusting the Lord with our finances, tithing, giving offerings, helping the poor, taking care of people. But then we get this, like, unexpected bill or a hobby opportunity. And it's like, we, we're like, ah, oh, Lord, I got to give my money to all these other things because if I give it to you, I won't have room for all these other things. But it's like, it's distracting us from the principles, the ways, the purposes, the strategies of God. I think that's taking a toll on our soul. And so there's an enemy that's trying to distract us from the good work God has for us in our journey of rebuilding in you, through you, on you. And so I really believe today that we need to feed our focus and starve our distractions. I really believe, and in the book of Nehemiah, I think we find three things that he does well that we can learn from. So how, how can we feed our focus and starve our distractions? Well, I, I want to go to Nehemiah 6.3 and look at something he said. He says, when tempted with a distraction, I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. So he decided to choose what he was going to do with this time his energy, and his talent. And so instead of getting off the wall, he decided to stay on the wall and work. And so I want to encourage you today to make a choice. So point number one is you need to choose your hard. And let me explain. There is a, there's an a internet meme that really, like, really got me thinking, and it says this. Choose your hard. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your hard. Amen? Being in debt is hard. Being financially disciplined is hard. Choose your heart. Amen. Communication is hard. Not communicating is hard. Choose your heart. Amen. Life will never be easy. It will always be hard, but we can choose our heart. Pick wisely. And I, I realize that we can't choose all the hardships in our life. I mean, me and my wife, my goodness, we have some hardships we're dealing with that we would have never chosen for ourselves or anybody else. But we don't have a victim mentality. We believe that with God, there's always something we can do. You know, Nehemiah, he would have been sad in the, the kingdom of Persia, sitting with the king. He was a cupbearer, drinking great wine, eating great food. But knowing that Jerusalem, the walls were destroyed, that would have been a hard life. And then, on the other hand, choosing to rebuild the wall and go through all of that opposition, that's a hard life. So Nehemiah had the opportunity to choose his heart, and he chose to bring something that aligned with his burden that would help others and would help him fulfill the call of God in his life. And uh, an unfocused life will be hard, but it will not produce the fruit of a focused life. 
And so if it's going to be hard either way, we might as well choose something that's going to benefit us, our families, our communities, our church, our nation, and the people of God. Amen? It's so important. You know, there's this visualization that's really uh, actually changed my life. I saw it as a, a young person, and I, I want to share this with you. And to bring some context, I want to read something that Jesus says in Matthew 6. He says, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows all that you, that you need all these things. And then he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So basically, Jesus is saying, hey, you can chase all of these things and forget about seeking God in righteousness, but it's not going to work best that way. Seek God first. Seek the kingdom first in righteousness, and then all these lesser important things to the kingdom will fall into place. If you want to rhyme it, it's like this. Seek his face, and everything else falls into place. I'm not saying things won't be hard and things won't get a little crazy at times, but the grand scheme of your life, the bigger story of your life, when you seek God's face, everything else falls into place. Anybody agree with that today? And hey, I'm still recovering from sickness as far as my energy levels. Your feedback means a lot to me. So you're clapping, you're amen, it's going to fuel me. You feed, you don't, I'm not fishing for compliments, I'm fishing for energy. You feed me energy back, that is good feedback. (laughs) <laughs> so Jesus says, seek his face, everything else falls in place. I'm going to ask Pastor Amritha to come here, help me with this visualization. And so I, I don't know if you've seen this before, but this changed my life. So here is a vase. This is the second one because I broke Amritha's first one. Sorry. <laughs> God bless you. You can take your mask off. We share a lot. <laughs> so. <laughs> this vase is filled with rocks. Everybody say rocks. And so we see some small rocks in here, and we see some big rocks. So symbolically, the big rocks represent the main priorities in our life. And you can see the small rocks and the big rocks, they all fit in here, right? And we even have a little space at the top. And so for us and our family, we have like three top priorities. Maybe you have the same. But our number one priority is God, right? We're going to seek him first. He's the most important part of our life. Our second priority at the altar, I promise, Amritha, I'm going to love you second. God first, you second. Because family. For us, family is our second priority. And our third priority is the church. Like, how are we building the church with Jesus? We want to care for what Jesus cares about. And that's his bride. So we're going to build the church with Jesus. Amen. And so if uh, our relationship with God isn't right, it's going to impact our relationship with family. And if we can't take care of our household, how are we going to be pastors? And so that's why we prioritize these things in that order. And many of us, I don't know if you've thought through your priorities, if you've written them down, if you've been intentional, but I find that in our lives, we are tempted to put lesser things first in our lives with our time, our energy, our focus, and then we don't have room for a relationship with God. And then we don't have room for our family. Have you ever noticed it's, like, easy to give God, like, our, our, our scraps? It's easy to give our, our family the worst. It's like we'll treat all these strangers really amazing, and then we give our families the worst. I think it's because with our energy, sometimes we forget to prioritize them. And so, Pastor Maritha, will you help me with this microphone? And so I want to show you, this all fits here nicely because the big rocks were placed in first. But when I pour it out, we see, oh, boy. Sorry, Hilton. 
So we have these rocks here. And so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to place in the small rocks first. And this is what we do, right? We're like, I want to have a great relationship with God. I want to live a, a God calling. I want to change the world. I want to make the world a better place. But, oh, boy, I'm watching anime. This isn't what I want to do with my life. Oh, no, I'm watching Tenet in reverse because it makes more sense that way. Oh, no. I'm doing this hobby. Oh, no, I'm watching the cat play baseball again. Here we go. I like it, but it's not helping me accomplish. I mean, I've seen people. I went to college with people who literally failed their classes because they started playing video games all night, and then they couldn't get back in the right sleep schedule, and they're playing fables so much that they failed out of their classes, and they didn't graduate, even though they felt like God was calling them to go to school. How many of you guys know situations like that? I mean, you get distracted by drugs, addictions, and it's like we focus on these lesser things Time and time again, I'm so guilty of this myself. Like I said, I watched all of Attack of Titan, the anime, and, uh, you know, I could have been doing some other things. So we get these little things in, and then we're like, ah, you know, I haven't prayed. I haven't taken care of my family. I feel distant from my significant other. And then we're like, all right, I'm going to do that. And so we're like, all right, I got that in. But then you're like, all right, I need, to, I need to focus on, like, my studies and getting this kind of thing done because this is the greater scheme of my life. And then, oh, no. Suddenly, because we put the small rocks in first, there's not room for the big things. How many of you feel you're experiencing that in your life right now? You're, foc- you're focusing on these little things, and you're like, oh, man, the things I actually care about, I'm not doing. The things that I want to get better at, I'm not actually doing. The things that I want to make a difference in, I'm not doing. Even though that's when I feel God's pleasure, that's when I feel most alive. It's because I've, I've focused on these little rocks. I don't even have room in my heart in my soul, in my energy, in my time, because I got my priorities wrong. So I want to encourage you to get the big rocks in first, and then you have room for everything else. Let's give it up for Pastor Amitha. And so that, that's why Jesus says in Matthew 6, as we're talking about Nehemiah 6, when we seek his face first, everything else falls into place, and the rocks can settle in to the crevasses that the big rocks have made. Amen, amen. So even the rocks will cry out if you guys don't give me feedback. So anyways, so in order for this to happen, for us to get our priorities right, point number two, we need to learn how to say no. A yes to the important is a no to a million other things, amen? So in Nehemiah, he goes, I am engaged in a great work, in verse 3, so I can't come. It's a no. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? So Nehemiah, he, he makes his priorities happen by saying no. Steve Jobs says, it's only by saying no that you can concentrate on the things that are really important. So in order to focus, you're going to have to eliminate. Look at someone and say no. Everything about you is just no. Just like, look at someone else and be just like, no, not, not happening. And you can say no. And let me add something that could revolutionize your whole world. You can say no, and you don't have to explain why. You don't, you don't have to craft an excuse. Sometimes you can just say no. Want to hang out? No. I mean, why can't I say it? I hear that all the time. So why don't I get to say it? I'm not bitter. <laughs> you can say no. And even with our friends, with our schedules, but even with the thoughts and the distractions in our mind. Sometimes I'm trying to read, like right now I'm reading this, this book called Disability and the Gospel, and then I'll get like a notification from my phone or a distraction, and I'll just literally say to myself, no, focus. 
I say no to that so I can say yes to this. And as a pastor, it's easy to take on people's problems. As Christians, sometimes we feel like, ah, I want to be a good Samaritan. But um, when we get our priorities in right order, it helps us to say yes to the right things. And sometimes, even as a pastor, I have to say, hey, right now your problem is not my emergency. Your urgency is not my emergency. Because I, I, my relationship with God is not right. My, my family has, has been given a back seat. And so I'm sorry, your urgency isn't my emergency right now. Call me a bad pastor, call me a bad Christian, but if I don't have my relationship with God right, my relationship with my family right, I have no business pastoring, you know? And so sometimes we got, we got to say that without guilt, without explanation, so that we can have the right priorities. You know, Jesus did this in John 6, 15, when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. I mean, they're trying to make him king in his own way. They're trying to get him to establish a political kingdom. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to be democratic enough for you. I'm not going to be Republican enough. I'm loyal to the kingdom of God, not a political party. So you're not going to make me king. He slips away. He sticks to his agenda. He only did what he saw the father doing, only said what he heard the father saying, and he had focus. He had his priorities. He wasn't going to let the crowd pressure him into changing his timeline. And I'm encouraged by the example of Jesus. And so we, I believe, need to say no to the right things. I mean, we need to say, uh, like the church, my relationship with God, these are our priority. And and sometimes I, I see people just, they're saying yes to the wrong things and saying no, like, you know, not enough, and it, it takes a toll on your soul. So I want you to say no. Say, say no. Is that uncomfortable for anybody here to say that? <laughs> so I want to encourage you today. Don't get in the habit of allowing the urgent to distract you from the important. And this might be freedom for you. Could doesn't mean should. You might have to say no to some of these lesser pleasures, some of these hobbies, so you can say yes to what God is doing on this earth. Or instead of saying, hey, God, would you bless what I'm doing? You say, Lord, let me do what you're blessing. I want to say yes to God, and that means a no to a lot of things in my life. And you'll notice that there, there's opportunities for distraction when that happens. Have you ever chosen to fast, not eat food, just drink water so you can focus on God? And then suddenly someone says, hey, it's the 4th it's of July Eve. Let's celebrate. And you're like, why is that a celebration? They're like, I made all this food for you. I made all these battered sausages for you. You know, let's, let's eat. You know, I was actually asking uh, Luke Gilston, who grew up in England, lived here for about a year, and uh, I asked him the other day, do you guys have a, a like, 4th of July? He's like, no. We just go, we're in England. We go straight from the 3rd to the 5th. <laughs> <laughs> he's like ah you colonies <laughs> but there's always these like random opportunities when you finally decide to do something have you ever noticed that it's like people start cooking these gourmet meals and you're like stop it what are you doing it's a distraction and we need to be we need to stop being great on focusing on the things that don't matter don't get stuck in the algorithm don't get stuck in the distractions don't let other people's urgency become your emergency. Set your priorities. And so moving on, after the enemies realize that Nehemiah won't come down from the wall, they start making up rumors to scare him off the wall. They're trying so hard to distract him with false reports. This is number three. I want to encourage you. 
to, to remind yourself of the truth. If you want to stay focused on the call of God in your life, you've got to remind yourself of the truth. You've got to stand on the truth of God's word. Nehemiah 6, moving on in this, it says, There's a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it's true, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you are building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there's a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king, so he suggests that you come and talk it over with me. Verse 8, I replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. You're making up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work. I love this. So I continued the work with even greater determination. He knew the truth. So in the midst of their lives, he was able to call them out and work with even greater determination. And some of us need that. We're being distracted. We're being discouraged. We're being told lies. And it's just, I think something is going to happen to us, even in today, I'm going to pray over you, that a strength would rise up. That we could uh, just put hope and courage in your soul today. You know, sometimes Pastor Amritha is working on something, and she's in the zone, she's focused. And then I'm kind of like the enemy of her soul, because I love to distract her. And so I will, I will start picking on her and jabbing her and just trying to get in her space. And she knows I really feed off a of responsiveness. I love attention. Anybody love attention here? And, and she knows if she responds to me, I'm only going to get crazier. <laughs> and so she doesn't feed it. And so she just stays focused and ignores me. But brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to declare to you, I know the truth. She feels my tickles. She senses the moisture in my, of my breath in her ear. She feels the strength of my wet willy. I know the truth. So because I know that truth, I know I'm getting to her, so I fight with even more determination, glory to God, and I distract her, and she gets mad at me, and we get in a big fight. <laughs> Any couples like that? Am I alone here? Is that? Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> you know, we need the truth because I, I feel like, I don't know, as I've been talking to many of us, you've been lied to. You're entertaining lies that you're a failure. You're just, like, hopeless. That God can't do anything in you or through you. I feel like a lot of us are battling these lies in our mind. I just want to let you know, that's not the truth. The resurrection of Jesus, Jesus' resurrection has made it possible for us to be under construction. And so I know you're a work in progress. I know, I know you have more to go. You have construction in your life. But that doesn't make you a mess up. That doesn't mean you're a mistake. Because every one of you, God made you on purpose for a purpose. You're not a mistake. He loves you. You have God's favor. He's with you. He's not abandoned you. No matter what the enemy has said or declared, no matter the thoughts that are trying to distract you in your mind, God loves you. You know, these past three weeks have been very difficult for me. As you know, um, Pastor Amritha and I were dealing with COVID. And during that time, uh, it was very difficult to breathe. My, I would go from extreme hot to extreme cold. I was like sweating through all of our sheets. It was very difficult to focus and breathe like her mom-in-law was able to get me a prescription for like steroids so I could breathe and an inhaler I mean it was just it was like very sad and 
And, you know, the physical part was difficult. It was very uncomfortable, really. But the most uh, painful part was this sickness kind of attacks you neurologically. Has anybody here had COVID? And it, like, it, like, takes your passion away for some of us. It, like, strips you of your focus and your brain fog. Even Carlin and I, we both had it. And uh, it, we shared an experience where we would relive five-minute increments in our life. So it was like we were hallucinating, and we get stuck in these loops. So it, it's really a neurological thing. It takes away your, your sense of smell and your taste through your brain. It's, it's just so bizarre. And, and as I was sick, um, I was literally in, in the bed for about two weeks. I wasn't really getting out. And uh, I just felt these lies and these attacks um, infiltrate my brain. And I was dealing with these things like, Pradeepin, you, you're a failure. You're worthless. Uh, your family doesn't need you. You can't do anything to help your family. Like, the church doesn't like you because you're not politically enough this or this. Like, the church is against you because you're, all you're willing to promote is Jesus. Like, people don't like you. Like, you, sh- you should just give up on life. And, like, all these kind of thoughts are going through my brain. I- I'm a very passionate person. Like, you know, whether it's about church or Bitcoin or Attack on Titan. Like, I'm... Whenever I like something, I'm, like, all in. Anybody know how obsessive I can be? <laughs> you know, I'm just, like, all in. But during that time, I just felt zero passion for anything. I just kind of wanted to roll over and, like, just sleep forever, <laughs> you know. And during that time, when I'm just battling all these thoughts of being a failure and a discouragement and just, like, a, you know, a burden for people, Pastor Amritha literally would come into the bedroom and say, I'm going to encourage you today. Your family loves you. Your family needs you. You are making a difference in Bellevue. The church is going to reach more people. We're going to see more people experience the salvation of Jesus. We're going to baptize more people. We're going to see more marriages restored and healed. We're going to see more people get married. We're going to see more babies. We're going to see people go from death to life. Like, we're going to make known the beauty of Jesus. The Lord isn't done. Like, the best is yet to come. And she's just breathing truth and life. Like, God has called you, Pradeepin, on purpose for a purpose. There's so many people thankful for you. And it was just life into my soul. I needed that encouragement. I needed that truth. The truth is that the resurrection of Jesus has made it possible for all of us to experience new life and to be part of his good work. Amen. And so in your discouragement, I don't know, maybe this is your time to realize you're entertaining lies and to bring the truth that God loves you, has a plan for you. He's going to work so that you can work with even more determination. I believe that even in prayer, we can break some of these chains and some of these things because Here's a crazy thing. In this story, Nehemiah is an ordinary person. He doesn't have this fancy title. He literally just drinks wine and dies if it's poison for the king. Yet, let's look at verse 15. It says, so on October 2nd, the wall was finished. Just 52 days after we had begun. And when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Sometimes miracles don't look supernatural. Sometimes it's just ordinary people working hard. And it's a beautiful thing. And so I I just want to ask you, what could happen 52 days from now if you chose to get the big rocks in? If you chose to say no to the distractions and remember the truth that God is walking with you hand in hand. That your habits right now do matter. That you can have a great marriage. You can have great relationships. You can be a great parent. 
You can start a great business. You can be a great employee. You can lead your neighbors to Christ. You can build this church with us. We can see a move of the Spirit, even in King County and this whole region. Like, with God, all things are possible. Amen. And so I, I today believe that in 52 days, we could see some amazing things. And just for perspective, we haven't, ever, after the craziness of being an online church for over a year, we haven't even been meeting in person for 52 days yet. And look at what God is doing. We have some serious momentum in this church, and it is exciting. What could God do in your life? And so I want to pray for anybody here who's discouraged, distracted. You need to be more determined. You feel like you've gone off course. Your priorities, it's just, it's all out of order. And so why don't we bow our heads right now and close our eyes. And I'm going to ask you to stand up in a moment. If you're, if you're feeling like you need to get your priorities right, you need to start saying no. You need that determination like Nehemiah had in the face of his opposition. And I don't believe everybody's going to stand up, and that's okay, but I, I believe that there's a few who need to be renewed in their spirit by the presence of the living God today. And I just want to pray a blessing. So if that's you, you're feeling like you've been lied to, you've been distracted, and you need a renewal of your determination to, to stand for the priorities God has placed on you, would you just stand up right now if that's you? You're resonating with this message. A renewed focus, a renewed hope. A renewed attention, time to say no to some of these things where people are guilting you or you're feeling an inner guilt. You just need to focus on a few things because you can't be everybody. You can't be everything to everybody, but you can do for one what you wish you could do for all. And so I, I, I'm just going to ask you, would you just op open up your hands and receive this blessing? Dear Lord, we just ask for your spirit to come into this moment. Holy Spirit, we, we want your presence to renew us and Holy Spirit, just like you hovered over the empty waters and you're able to create life on this earth in the book of Genesis, Lord, we just ask that your spirit would come hover over us right now, that there would be life and focus, that you would separate day from night, you would separate earth from sea, and that we would have divine focus, divine attention, and for those lies that have been spoken over us, we break that in the name of Jesus. For lies that have told us we're a failure or to give up or we can't accomplish this. Lord, we just pray for the spirit of the 52 days that, Lord, as we walk hand in hand with you, amazing things will happen. And people will know that the hand of God is upon us. So I break those lies. I break the spirit of dejection and rejection and hopelessness and emptiness and apathy and fatigue. And I just pray for a renewal of your fire and your passion to do the next right thing as we focus on the priorities you've given us. We pray in the name of Jesus and everybody said amen. Can we give the Lord a good round of applause in this place? Glory to God. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time. Time.